Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Hashem Hasabala coming live from the ICU with the latest episode of the Healthcare Musings podcast. Glad to have you with me. Uh, t- today, we're going to be talking about the uh, next in my series from the appeals desk about uh, denials and what they are and how to mitigate against their effects as much as possible. So the next uh, type of denial that we'll talk about and the one that I am intimately involved with is uh, the medical necessity denial. So back in May, the uh, Office of the Inspector General has uh, uh, had a report detailing the denials of necessary care by commercial insurance plans, especially Medicare Advantage plans. And um, in in one report, in the report it said, uh, and I quote, uh, Aaron Bliss, OIG Assistant Inspector General in the Office of Evaluation and Inspection, testified plans sometimes use internal uh, critical criteria that are not required by Medicare. In one example, a Medicare Advantage plan denied a medically necessary CT scan to diagnose a serious disease, citing that the patient hadn't received an x-ray. Bliss said, unquote. So this is just one uh, example of the type of the most common type of denial that I deal with, which are the medical necessity denials. Now, what are, what are, what are these? So these are denials, and I'm mainly talking about commercial insurance now. These are denials in which the insurance company will deny payment for a test, a service, a medical device, or even an, an entire hospital stay because it is not, quote, medically necessary. So I deal almost exclusively in the hospital stay sphere. And and, and so when a patient goes to the hospital and gets admitted, there are two levels of care uh, to which the patient can get admitted. One is observation level of care, and the other is inpatient level of care. So observation level of care is basically an extension of the emergency department stay. Uh, During observation stays, patients will undergo tests and evaluations to determine if they can be safely discharged home or admitted to the hospital as an inpatient for further treatment. So typically, the patients are in observation for 24 to 48 hours, and because it's an outpatient level of service, the reimbursement to the hospitals is a lot lower in this level of care. For example, if somebody who is young and has almost no risk factors for heart disease who presents to the hospital with chest pain, this would be someone who would be placed in observation while they get serial blood tests and maybe even a stress test. Now, the inpatient level of care is more intense, and patients admitted to the hospital as an inpatient are those who need hospital-level services of a much higher intensity to treat the medical condition. For example, if a patient has pneumonia and needs a ventilator to help them breathe, or if they're bleeding from a stomach ulcer and it causes shock and they need uh, multiple blood products and vasoactive medications, these uh, hospitalizations would be at the inpatient level of care, Um, because they're much more intense and they need much more resources to treat the patient. And so the reimbursement to the hospital is a lot higher when admitted to the inpatient level of care. Now, the rub occurs when a physician admits the patient to the hospital as an inpatient, but they don't meet criteria for inpatient admission. And the insurance company, again, mostly in commercial, I'm talking about commercial insurance, will then deny payment for the inpatient level of care. Or sometimes the patient does meet criteria for the inpatient level of care, and the insurance company still denies the inpatient level of care. Since the difference in payment is substantial, 
hospitals will then have to appeal the denial decision to the uh, to the insurance company, and that's what I do. I write all those appeal. I, I write those appeal letters on behalf of hospitals. Now, what are those criteria that that um, determine whether or not a patient meets medical necessity for the inpatient level of care? Again, for most commercial insurance companies, they will use one of two sets of clinical care guidelines. One is called the minimum, uh, the Milliman, uh, excuse me, Milliman care guidelines, and the other is called Interqual. And um, the links to each will be uh, in the uh, episode notes. Each set of guidelines has specific criteria for specific medical conditions, such as pneumonia, for example. And if a patient meets one of these, one or more of these criteria, then the hospital would meet medical necessity for the inpatient level of care. And theoretically, the insurance company should not deny payment to the hospital for the inpatient level of care. Now, these denials can be very frustrating, especially when it's absolutely clear that the patient was sick enough to warrant the inpatient level of care. For example, a patient who needs a a ventilator or even a BiPAP machine or have continuous infusion of a dangerous heart medication to, to, to stabilize an unstable heart rhythm, or in my opinion, continuous infusion insulin um, which can cause dangerous, life-threatening hypoglycemia, low blood sugar, and then the insurance company denies payment at the higher level of care. E and you know, so they 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 find these criteria, and then the insurance company will then go and deny the 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 inpatient level of care, even if the hospital stay was days upon end. And sometimes, again, like MCG or interqual criteria are met, and I've literally copied and pasted those criteria into the appeal letter, and the insurance company will still deny it anyway. Um, and a lot of times they won't even send me a letter explaining why they upheld the denial. And as my kids tell me, it is so annoying. Now, how do you avoid this? The answer that you don't do is to admit everyone to observation. No, no, no. That is literally leaving millions, and I'm not kidding, millions of dollars on the table in revenue. And it's also not appropriate or compliant with regulations. There are some patients who meet criteria for inpatients, the inpatient level of care, and there are other patients who meet the criteria for observation level of care. If I remember correctly, looking at the these statistics, many hospitals or most hospitals will have about 20% of the patients they admit to the hospital admitted under observation level of care. Um, so admitting everybody to observation is, is not is not the right answer. Um, now, of course, <laughs> these clinical care guidelines that kind of say, okay, this meets medical necessity for inpatient, or this does not meet medical necessity for inpatient. They're just, they're, they're just guidelines. Uh, and they're never intended to be the, uh, a substitute for the clinical judgment of, of the clinician. But the problem is we are frequently our own worst enemy because we don't take the time to document why in my clinical judgment, a particular patient is sick enough to warrant the inpatient level of care, even though on paper, perhaps they don't look as sick. For like, let me, let me give you an example. So, patient presents to the hospital with chest pain, but there's no evidence of any heart damage. The vital signs are totally normal, and there's no evidence of an acute heart attack. But to you, the, 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 the doctor taking care of him at the bedside, he looks very sick. He has multiple risk factors for heart disease, and those risk factors place him at great risk for adverse outcome if he's treated at a, at a lower level of care. He needs very close monitoring and treatment beyond the normal period of observation, okay? That's what you're seeing at the, at the bedside. You have to put that in the medical record. You have to take the time to document that in the medical record. 
none of us can read your mind, okay? We don't know what you're thinking, what your gut says about a particular patient, and we don't know what your clinical judgment is un, un, unless you put it in the record. Because all we have is the, is the, is the, the documentation weeks and weeks after the hospital stay is completed. So I can't, I can't read your mind. I want to side on the side of the clinician, but if the clinician doesn't take the time to properly document what the patient looked like to him, then we can't defend the care, okay? Um, only when you take the time to document your thinking can then third-party auditors or even a physician advisor like me can, um, can, can then understand what you were thinking and can, can then defend why you perhaps admitted a patient to inpatient, even though on paper, it doesn't look that that patient met, met criteria. This is especially true with short hospital stays. I remember one time we were um, interviewing uh, a, an insurance company medical director for, for a job in our company, and he, and he told me, oh, we love one-day stays because they just look at the one-day stays and they will almost always deny the inpatient level of care. So, so especially in short hospital stays, 24, 48 hours, you have to be very meticulous in the documentation to explain why you admitted someone to the inpatient level of care, um, even though the hospital stay was short. Now, even if you have a slam dunk inpatient case, it meets all the criteria, it's clearly airtight in your opinion, that does not guarantee that the insurance company won't deny the hospital stay, right? Lot of, lots of times I have written appeal letters where I'm baffled as to why the insurance company denied the inpatient level of care. You know, uh, I've lost count of the number of letters I've written where hospitals uh, will, will deny the inpatient level of care. I mean, it happens a lot, sadly. Um, it's very frustrating, but, it, it, you know, it is the way of the world. That said, good and proper documentation will strongly support you. And in the hospital, when it comes to our time to argue for the medical necessity, of this particular hospital state to the insurance company. Sparse and incomplete documentation, or even worse, copy and pasted documentation that's the same day after day after day after day, makes arguing your case for the inpatient level of care that much harder weeks or months later. What's more, it, it can reflect poorly on you as a, as a clinician. And if a case ever goes to litigation, and we haven't even talked about litigation, all, you ha all we have to defend our care is our documentation. If the documentation is poor, it will be equally hard to defend your care, not only to insurance company, but to potentially a judge and jury. This is these denials are super frustrating. I totally, I totally agree with you. And again, it's very hard for me when I write letters to not be sarcastic and angry in the letter because it's just sometimes so egregious and so baffling. You know, it, unfortunately, it's it's the way it is. That said. With good documentation, defending the care and the clinical judgment will be that much easier, and it is time very, very well spent. Thank you very much for your time and attention. Thank you for listening, and until next time, this is Dr. Hashem Hasabala for the Healthcare Musings Podcast.